This week's episode of the Flippin' Flippers podcast is brought to you by GunStreetWiringShop.com. Check out GunStreetWiringShop.com for all your wiring harness needs. They have all the fantastic things to give you the function that you desire and need out of your instrument, whether it be bass or guitar. Shoot, maybe you got an electric mandolin. I bet you GunStreetWiringShop.com can hook you up with what you need. And be sure to check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com and search for the Flippin' Flippers. This week, we have a special guest host with us, Kevin Equitz of Equitz Guitars. Um, I hope you enjoy. It was a really good talk. I always walk away from talking to him uh, inspired and ready to be better in life. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, guys? We're the Flippin' Flippers. I am not your host, Paul. I am Co. And with me today, I have a special co-host named <laughs> hey what's up it's kevin equish i thought that pause was for me to say something it was but then i jumped the gun thinking you weren't gonna say it <laughs> so uh, that is fine um so what's up kevin Perfect. how you doing who are you <laughs> who am i let's let's have an existential crisis right here on, on the podcast uh, uh all is well, man. We're doing great, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Kevin, and I, I think the, the listenership already knows who I am. I mean, I'm not that big of a deal. Um, I'm yeah, Kevin. I mean, uh, I am, I'm Co. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, anybody that listens regularly should recognize your name because uh, Paula and I are uh, both awesome enough to own guitars that you have built, and. Uh, they are amazing, and we talk about them frequently. So, um, anybody that maybe this is your first episode with the Flippin' Flippers, um, Kevin makes awesome guitars uh, under the name Equitz Guitars. So, check that out, and that'll give you some reference on who he is and what he does. Is that good? That, that, Very kind yeah. of you to say so. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Paul is on vacation, and you uh, were kind enough to tell me that anytime we need somebody, they call you up. And um, it's been a busy week for you, seeing that it's Nam in Nashville there where you live, but we're making it happen anyway. Heck yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Any excuse to uh, to chat it up with, with Mr. Co is uh, always worthwhile, and yeah, uh, it's a it's a great podcast, a little podcast, and you know, shoot, happy to uh, be a part of it in any way yeah. I can. So uh, let's let's get right down to the nitty gritty. Uh, you've been on the Nam floor, I know you have because I've seen the live streams. What has been the coolest <laughs> thing you've seen so far? Okay, a few things come mm-hmm. to mind. Um, one is. Um, 
it's a guy, it's a company, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to tell at NAMM because there's often like one person there, um, but they may or may have a, a couple other people, but it looks like a small operation, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's called Square Amps. Oh yeah, I see, I square. I think I saw this uh, stream, live stream. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Clifton, uh, I believe did a, did a live stream. Um, for all of you listeners, if you're not following Clifton, what is wrong with you? Go follow him and then, uh, find his live stream. Anyway, square amps. The, the guy was there last year with his mm-hmm. amps. Um, he only had a, a few on the table. Um, but this year he had a, a few more and I'll explain the amps, but the setup was really cool because he had, if you picture a wall, maybe, a. a picture like a grid i think it was about maybe four shelves high and he had about three amps across so i'm trying to picture it it was either like nine or 12 but like there was this kind of grid and the top row were all plugged in and um went down to a like a switcher board and there was a guy there another guy playing like a telecaster as a pedal board and so the the main dude he could kind of like just switch them on and off from the floor and explain hmm. each one. Um, but he had like a whole wall of these things. And so what he's doing is he's taking old radios. And in one case he had like, it looked like a car radio that I don't know the rest of it was. It was almost like a car stereo, like an old, these are old radios, like antique looking like stuff your grandparents would yeah. have. Um, but he also, he also had a toaster oven. Like it was like, it reminded me of the one I grew up with. Um, and it, <laughs> it was rad. It had like the tubes inside and stuff, but he puts amps inside these, um, these radios and they sound really darn cool. They're kind of that. And again, this is all wasted on somebody like me. You know, he was giving me all the, the, you know, letters and numbers of what kind of amps they are is, you know, AC this or, a you know, uh, whatever, whatever. And, uh, they all just sounded super cool. They're that it's like what you would expect, mm-hmm. you know, a small amp, kind of a smallish speaker, but they looked so darn cool. And, and they sounded rad. They had that vibe that was like, just kind of like where the, it sounds like the things just struggling, yeah. you know, and there's a little bit of crispy breakup and, but it was so rad that, uh, like, um, I mean, I don't know, depending on one's, uh, home decor, but you could, it's for the, the type of person likes to, to play at home and maybe they've got like a, uh, a spot where they can sit down. Maybe there's a guitar in the corner. Like this would be the perfect thing. Um, he had one actually that was like, I don't know if you may see in, um, some of the, the old like shows and stuff like those big floor, Standing. Yeah, like you have yeah, the one, one in actually, my living room, in yeah. your home coat. Right. So the ra- back in the day when like your entertainment center was a radio that was put in a piece of mm-hmm. furniture, and, and anyway, um, it just super cool. And and he was a nice dude. Um, the the amps were rad. I, I don't know. I just I I can't say enough good stuff about it. And um, I I don't want to like spoils pricing or thing. I don't know if it was for the show, but I was startled at what they were priced. Really? At. They were, um, a lot of them were like well under a thousand dollars. Um, I mean, it's, it's not like I've got that kind of dough to throw at an amp, but, um, for what they were and as cool as they were and, you know, considering a lot of amps that are in the market and stuff, um, it was really impressive. Um, so I, I, I have two so, questions yeah, he had, that, Sure. So, um, 
are they is it all one offs? Like he he just yes. picks up these old radios and builds what he wants and then sells them. Right. Yes. And I, I forget the numbers, but I was asking like, how many of these do you do like in a month or in a year? And, and the number, I forget what it was, but it was a lot more than I expected. Hmm. And so the next question was like, well, then you must be, you must have like a whole room or several rooms of these radios. Right. And, and he said, yeah. <laughs> and so, it, and then the next question after that was, well, then do you like just keep inventory? Do you, do you kind of build these as you want? Or is it a matter of like, if someone wants to, he's in Texas, okay. by the way, if someone wants to order one, do they, you know, pick one out and then you kind of put the amp in it based on their specs? And the answer is really, okay. Both. I say that so, was going to um, kind of be my next question there. Yeah. Um, square amps. Honestly, I haven't been to the website. I, I don't know. They probably have a social media presence, but, um, check them out. Like they were just so darn cool. Um, for, for people like us, like you and I, and, and I'm sure a lot of listeners that like cool things that have been like repurposed and, and just, it's, it's like, I would say it's a conversation piece, but it's only a conversation piece for like nerdy musician folks yeah. like us. But uh, it's super cool. Yeah, I, and then the other okay, thing. Yeah. Well, I was oh, going to say, go do you know, does he, does so he the, uh, build them from scratch and just use that as the house for them? Or does he actually like repurpose the guts? Do you know? That's a good question. I didn't okay. ask that. That's why you need to be there with me <laughs> to ask those kinds of questions. Um, all I wanted to do was like, it was giving me ideas for guitars. Really? I wanted to like figure something out, like pair up a guitar to go with the amp, mm. you know, like kind of play off the aesthetic of like the, the, the woods and, and like the colors that they use on the knobs and the, the speaker cloth and stuff. And it would be so rad to make like a matched pair, uh, like a guitar to go with one of those. Yeah, amps. definitely. Um, but as as far as the guts, I don't know. Honestly, like the the toaster oven was the only one that I could see into, mm-hmm. and the stuff didn't look very old. Um, and I I would venture to guess it's probably newer stuff in there. Maybe it's like new old stock. But I don't I don't think he's turning the radio guts into an amp. I think he's mostly using the um, the using the house the box. Yeah. yeah, the housing exactly. Oh, he does pedals too. I found I found it. I found yeah, his website. You're right. Actually, I forgot. Yeah, they had. Um, there were, if I remember correctly, there were like three pedals, and they were like in a clear, looked like a clear plastic mm-hmm. enclosure, and they were nice. Honestly, he had like a fuzz and um, at least one drive. I think the other was a boost, okay. and they did all those. They did those things and they did them well and they sounded good with his amps. Uh, beyond that, again, this is all stuff that's wasted on someone like me. Like as far as what type of fuzz or what type of boost, I don't know. They sounded rad. They sounded like a fuzz, a drive, and a boost. Nice. Yeah, stuff looks cool. I'm look, looking at the website right now. Cool. Well, what else? You 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 had so, yeah, something else you, some were business. Gonna, you were going to mention. Um, I know it's come up, but, um, BA Ferguson, um, the, the flyweight, that was the first time I got to see one. The flyweight is, it's rad. Uh, boot is, he's such a good guy, just a good dude. Um, and so he and I chatted quite a bit. Um, he's got a new model that's kind of like, 
I don't want to like reduce it to, to compare it to like a melody maker, like the Joan Jet, but you can kind of see some of that like double cutaway, like almost symmetrical okay. uh, type of flavor, but it's done in that flyweight style. And um, my endorsement means very little, but um, <laughs> the necks that he makes, uh, I love them. Uh, the, the, the shape of the neck, it's not, it's got like, if I say shoulders, I think other um, like guitar builders know, but if the like this, the space between the center of the neck and then like you know where you start to get towards the mm-hmm. fretboard, like those are the shoulders. So they like a a soft V would have kind of very steep shoulders. Um, so just the way that he shapes them, it's it's really nice. It's not. It's not like a, a soft V per se, but it's it's a deep neck, but it doesn't feel like too cylindrical and blocky or whatever. Just super comfortable, super rad. He's a great dude. We had a good chat uh, just about how he builds them and stuff. They're they're really well made. He, they're set and they're neck, not right? Like, yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, and they're not like super. I, I don't want it to sound demeaning, but it's it's not like they're super. Um, delicate and refined and it's like you're afraid to take it out and um you know breathe on it or anything like they've got that kind of like utilitarian feel but without being junky it's not like well this thing was thrown together so i don't mind you know traveling with it or gigging with it or whatever i mean it's it's a absolutely a well-made guitar with a lot of you know thought put into it but you don't have to feel like it's super precious and, and delicate. Like you can just play the thing. Um, the body, well, you and I were talking about this. Like the body is, is a little thinner mm-hmm. than a, like your regular one and three quarters. Um, so the weight is nice. And honestly, like lightweight guitars don't really do it for me. I, like it's, it's not a thing like, Ooh, this one's super right, lightweight yeah. and therefore it is that much better. But, you know, for people that are looking for that, um, you know, cool, whatever. These, they feel lightweight without feeling mm-hmm. junky. It, you don't feel like you got cheated on anything, you know? Um, so anyway, B.A. Ferguson, um, he's a good dude. Check him out. If, you, if anyone out there is in the market for just a good, like, he had, like, single and then, like, dual pickup. Um, his, the, I think it's the original Flyweight. It was, like, yep. a single pickup. These other, these double cutaways all had two pickups. So I don't know what his, you know, process is as far as like standard features or whatnot, but they're just, they're rad. So there's that. Um, yeah, I, put, I got to, I got to play with those at, uh, at Winter Nam. He had, I think he had a couple in the Greer, Greer booth yeah. there and they just pure rock it's, and okay, roll sticks. That's it. Yep. Just. That's exactly it. A rock and roll stick. That is perfect. Yeah. It, it's like some guitars you have to be cool to play them and other guitars make you cooler by playing them this is the latter you this guitar makes you cool and you don't have to be super cool just to (laughs) i like that (laughs) um i guess i would say a few other things um i the the privilege to be in the vicinity just living out here now like to to be in the vicinity of Mm -hmm. noble guitars and um um, get to know those guys. Dennis uh, Fano, uh, he's he's pretty darn cool, and and he's been very gracious with me. Um, so they let me visit, and I've gotten to see some of the stuff that he's working on. So he, um, they had like a they had a thing. Um, Rhett Scholl and RJ, uh, 
think it's uh yeah Ronquillo. they had a um they had their own signature guitars oh cool um, made over there and, and so in one night they uh kind of present them to these guys but um they also unveiled a bass Ooh. which is pretty stinking cool and um i don't you know shoot i don't know what anyone's at liberty to say it didn't seem that uh you know embargoed people were taking pictures mm-hmm. of it and stuff but i'll just leave it at that like check out the novo bass um <laughs> really stinking cool and i was i feel very very fortunate to have had the opportunity to, to like hang out over there a couple times like on my lunch breaks at work um and to see them kind of like roughing out the idea. So I hadn't seen it finished or anything. So to see it finished was, was really cool. And I know that's a big deal with what he's got going on. Um, the last one I will say, and I know, um, Layla's gotten a lot of attention with the tuna tone instruments, Mm -hmm. but, um, Emily Harris brought her, um, tuna tone. Um, she, she, it's her own personal guitar and it was in the boutique gallery with, uh, Doug Cowers. Um, he had this <laughs> stinking rad super yeah. chief that is like kind of a Paul Bigsby inspired. And it is, it is every bit as stunning and gorgeous as you would imagine. And he also had that kind of strat style. Um, I forget what he's calling it. The surf mm-hmm. liner. Yeah. Like yeah. Sir. I think it's surf liner. Um, I, the problem is though, with that boutique space, you can't really just pick the guitar up. I mean, maybe you can, but you, you it's that museum kind of vibe where you feel like you're going to get yelled at. Yeah, because it um, stands on tables, right? Yeah, it's a little bit like, um, I don't know, uninviting. It's almost like the Rickenbacker <laughs> booth where everything's just like, look at it, but don't to touch. The stand. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? You're welcome. <laughs> so just look and then get out. But... Um, the uh unfortunately when we got there um emily was was nearby and she was on her way back to to that space anyway so since it was her guitar she pulled it off of the the table and i got to see it up close and um i mean it's i know that the the guitars have gotten a lot of attention uh and it's all well deserved i mean i got nothing but good things to say about that guitar unfortunately i wasn't able to hear it i'm sure it sounds really say is she making the pickups had an amp there but it, this one was a roadhouse okay. pickup. Um, and I, I don't know much about the details. Like it kind of had like a split blade kind of thing. Like, um, almost like, like a single going across the, the length of the strings, but then, you know, it was split yeah. in the middle. Um, I don't know if it's a single coil or, or, or what, um, it looked cool. It looked perfect for the vibe of the guitar. It's a shorter scale guitar. Um, but you know, like I was saying with, um, the, the flyweight and this one is actually a little bit more, not a little bit, it's, it's more, um, how would I say like tailored, like the lines and the, everything was like just super clean. Um, the, it just, the, the, the nut and the, I guess what you could call the bridge, um, they're all like made out of brass and you just, everything just fits so Mm. perfectly and cleanly. Uh, it was really, really impressive and seeing photos and hearing so much. And, um, if you've been in the groups or anything like that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I know the guitar nerds have mentioned, uh, Layla and stuff, but to really, to, to know that she's actually not a guitar player. Um, it, it's just, it was a really, really well-made instrument and I'm, I'm sure it sounds amazing. Um, it was just, it was a treat to see in person and, and, uh, to kind of 
noodle around on without an amp or anything. Um, mm. So it, it's, I guess what I could say about what she's doing is certain people kind of raise the game, you know, for yeah. everybody else, like in, in what they're doing and in a good way. And, and I, I really hope the best for her cause she hasn't done a ton of guitars. Um, and, and I think it's just going to keep getting better and better, but she's, she's got the attention of, you know, like I know she's doing one for Megan Wells right now. Yep. And you know, it's like, it's awesome. And, and seeing that guitar, it's like, Oh man, I, I really need to step up my game. <laughs> um, it's good. I, I love seeing stuff like that, that kind of challenges the status quo a little bit and, and it, you know, introduces something new. And sometimes it, that's what it takes. It takes somebody who maybe not be so entrenched in that world to kind of introduce something new to it. So the, 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 desi- the design are, on that uh, thing too, it just looks like it looks super simple and like, I, yeah. I want to say basic, but basic has such a bad connotation now, but like, it just looks, the essentials are there is what it looks like. It, it's, yeah, right. it's broken down to what and, it needs. You know, in, in my day job, we, we kind of throw in the term, uh, bold simplicity mm-hmm. okay yeah that makes sense and that's that's kind of what i would categorize that one like sometimes there's a statement that you make by by not saying everything and um and that's that's what this guitar is um it's a single pickup and it the pickup is kind of in like the like the neck mm-hmm. position um it just had you know the two controls it really didn't have anything that was unnecessary the um the strings uh, mount in like through the top through it looks like it may be machined or it's like a bent steel but you know it was it was, it was you know elegant and and simple but it's really just kind of like a right angle you know piece yeah. of metal and then they come up and over that brass bridge which friction fits into the body and there are two little screws that you see on the back that you can use to i, I assume they're for raising or lowering the bridge but just the way that it was all done with the the neck and the the inlay dots and the, the, the shape of the pick guard, like everything was just so like thoughtfully done. And the nut uh, was interesting too. It's um, it doesn't go to the very edge of the fretboard. Hmm. Um, it it kind of fits into the fretboard, um, like the same way that the bridge does. Interesting. And that's brass too. So anyway, she she probably could have cut some corners and and she definitely didn't you know so just because it's simple doesn't mean that there wasn't time and care and attention um put into it i mean it's very obvious that you just pick it up and you're like wow somebody really cared about this when they built it wow that's cool yeah because I, I mean i've heard interviews with her and you know seen pictures but i trust the the equits eye so <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, my endorsement means nothing, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, it would be great to, to get the chance to meet her and, and kind of like, I want to hear her explain, you know, um, her philosophy and, and mindset in, in how she's, you know, making some of these choices, but just, you know, little subtle things like the way that the, the back of the headstock on a guitar is flat, but the, the neck is yeah. round and the way that some people translate that flat part into the round part i think that's one of my most favorite things it's like how is somebody going to handle hmm. that some people do a real smooth kind of very you know like abstract ergonomic kind of organic shape 
um, in her case, though, it was like if you picture that from the back of the, the headstock, like underneath where the, the nut would be, like this kind of half circle. Um, okay. And then outside of that, that half circle is where the neck starts. But the to figure that, like, that's all hand done. And that it was like, like a perfect half circle. It's just really, really cool. I'm, I'm probably not explaining it well um, without a photo or something. But, you know, there are parts of that guitar I don't think that, you know, we see it from the front and we see all these different, you know, things. But it's those subtle details that she still put attention into. Yeah. So kudos to that. Cool. Well, uh, I have some, some questions, topics, uh, queries to pick your brain with here. Um, I did get a lit. I, I got a list of ideas from uh, our our friend and patronizer, Brian Gower of the Tone Jerks, but we are just going to ignore those topics that he sent over because Cause they're probably yeah, we, do, we don't understand what they mean. Um, and I was going to ask you about the old <laughs> Blood Noise Endeavors Moz pedal that I saw online, but I think I'm going to skip that because... Uh, the joke was already made in the uh, Patreon episode, so we're gonna move right on to. It's good, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and and they explained that pedal to me, by the way, mm-hmm. when I was there. Uh, Dan, um, Mark Johnson was there, and uh, and and Dan, his last name starts with a P, and I apologize. I, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce <laughs> it. Um, he's a super cool guy, and between the both of them, like their videos, like they know how to work pedals and put one in the effects loop of mm-hmm. the other and you you send it backwards and then you flip it back around and then you do it backwards again and you loop this well, I don't <laughs> know, whatever it's beautiful the way that they do it but it all goes over my head so um you know i was asking what what they had that was new and he showed me that that <laughs> ma and it it's cool i mean from what i could understand it it's almost like it has like three it has like three buttons which are almost like three channels yeah you know then they're like a series of knobs kind of just north of those buttons but what they do he explained it and you know god bless him <laughs> um most of it again went over my head they had the it was like a board on like a, mm-hmm. a table and and there was like a gooseneck extension with a microphone on there and it was pointed at like me. Yeah, you know, so someone like a visitor to the booth. So there's already a microphone in my face, and it was a little intimidating. But I guess the the pedal has to do with because there's an XLR in and it. out, and yeah. um, so it's and out. Okay, so I'm already <laughs> lost. Um, yeah, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be like anyway, a utility effect cool. pedal for uh, anything, like anything that plugs that's in. That's what they were saying. Yeah, anything that you. That's it. That's it. So uh, already it's over my head. <laughs> yeah, and it's got loops and all kinds of things. Yeah, it looks cool. They had another thing too that was like um, almost like an. I don't want to reduce it to say it was as simple as like an ABY switch, but it was kind of like like a switcher hmm. type of thing. It had like three three things going in, and then ways to combine how they come oh, okay. out. That's probably a disgusting oversimplification, but you know that's okay. I, I mean, build pedals. Uh, any electrical circuit is kind of that, right? Like, it, you send a signal in, and you you make it come out sure. some other way. Well, 
the thing that Dan said that made sense to me was just like, for example, if you want to have like a fuzz and maybe like another drive or something next to it, instead of stacking one into the other, you could kind of run them like oh, in okay. parallel. Yeah, to so each like other. a parallel mixer. Like the yeah, EHX just did one of sure. those too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I would much. Yeah. All right. I didn't see that one on Instagrams. Uh, well, I maybe. Maybe it's like a top secret thing. Maybe it's top secret. I don't know why they had it on the table and they were talking about That's right. it. But it was cool. Did you sign a waiver? Nope. Perfect. <laughs> well. There is there is a Novo thing that I'm not telling you about um, because we're recording, but uh, I'll tell you about it once Ooh, we're done. Now I feel privileged. Heck yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, well, we'll quickly move away from that then before my mind starts racing. Um, you, Moving on. You recently moved um, pretty much all the way across the country. And seeing as how we are the uh, the podcast of gear and dad life, um, how was that move with the family? Like, get into the gory details as much or as little as you want because – Moving, whether it be across the county or across the country, is always stressful. And you know how 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 did it go? How are you guys doing? You guys adjusted? Is everybody, you know, what were the struggles? How did you get through it? You are a man that I admire. So what what is your advice? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I I guess there's a lot I could say about it. Um, and it was it was definitely a big deal to to start at the end i guess uh, our current state things are good we're 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 moved in we have a house we um we're happy um you know things are things are going very well out here so um you know anything else i could say up until that point is all just to to lead up to the idea that it it's yeah. good it was a good move um we i guess okay um there are two two things like when you're considering like moving away is one is leaving where you are. And I guess the other idea is where are you going to? And so, um, I just want to be, you know, careful and mind mindful. We were, you know, this is how we were working with, um, we have a daughter, she's 12 right now, almost 13. You know, we were trying to be very clear and we wanted her to be on board with this. We weren't going to try to sell her on the idea. Like she actually had, you know, the whole, right of refusal, um, thing here. Um, and, and it wasn't like, Oh, let's get out of California. You know, it wasn't entirely yeah. that. Yeah. It, the cost of living was increasing and, um, and we were in, um, a place that just, we'd been there, um, I th- just about 13 years and we were just finally breaking even, hmm. um, and I know other people are in, you know, harder situations. So I, you know, I don't want to complain about that, like, oh, boo-hoo. But, um, you know, it was, it was just this kind of idea where we're, we're slugging away between my wife and I. You know, we're, we're both working really hard to, just to kind of keep up with what we had. And then as far as my, my daughter, it was like, you know, things that she wanted to do. Like, oh, I want to play a sport. I want to do this. And, can we, you know, like going on vacation and all these things. And it was like, you know, um, this constant, um, I don't know, 
this constant battle. Um, we're, we're also the type of, you know, we, we, we didn't want to live on credit cards or anything yeah. like that. We didn't want to get in over our heads. We were trying to be careful about, you know, not living beyond our means, but it just, so many things about it just kind of felt like we were stuck and that things were just, um, getting more and more challenging. Like for example, just little things like our, our HOA, like they, they had raised the rate. Um, and it was, our HOA alone was more than a car payment, you know, it was like, it's for, for, you know, what, like, (laughs) you know, all these things just kind of stacking up and stacking up. So, but it wasn't like, let's just get the heck out of here. You know, we needed an idea of where we were going to go and there needed to be purpose on the other end of that decision. And, um, and just for lots of reasons, uh, things just kind of kept pointing us this direction, um, to this, this part. And it's, you know, saying that we live in Nashville, is kind of like saying that the, the winter NAM show is right, in LA. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's in Southern California, but Anaheim is very different from LA. Um, so we are, we're not in like Nashville proper, but we're in what would be considered maybe the greater Nashville mm-hmm. area. Uh, we're about like 30 miles south of the city. Okay. Um, so we kind of reap the benefits of, you know, being in the vicinity, but we're also like far enough away from it that it's not really like city living. Um, but anyway, this, uh, just this particular opportunity just kind of came about and, and my wife and I, you know, we've been just looking, I've been, you know, working on getting a job out here for, better part of last year and it wasn't until right around like the end of the year that you know finally I got like the right opportunity and um, interviewed got the offer got the job so we were we were moving out like pretty much right at the well we we actually listed our place we had to wait to list our place because it was New Year's okay Um, so right after New Year's we listed our place and um we were also very, very fortunate to have friends already in this area here. So we had a place to stay. Um, so we could sell our place, pack up our stuff. Um, we did the pod system. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's like the mobile storage so type of deal, right? Exactly. So we loaded up a pod with 90% of our, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, and that went into storage for, I think, like a month and a half while we were living with these friends and finding a place to, to settle out here. Also, I, I went out ahead of my wife and daughter by a couple of weeks um, to start yeah. the job. So anyway, that was probably the most difficult part of it was like the moving and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. But once we got here, like there's just, and, and granted, you know, this place may not be for everybody, you know, you need to find where you're supposed yeah. to be. But uh, for us, at least, you know, we picked the county that we lived in because of the school. Uh, so my daughter finished sixth grade out here. Um, she loves the school. It looks like a college, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the school is so nice. But on, aside from that, the people are very nice. Our neighbors are just amazing people. Um, they're just so many nice, like genuinely good people. And I know that not everybody in the world can be super nice, but it just seems like out here, the pace is a little bit slower. Yep. It seems like people are, my educated guess is that they're a little bit more content. Like they're not, they're not like slaves to the grind. So okay. Much. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, it was just a nice, uh, nice environment and tons of families. 
Um, you know, and, and on top of that, like just the cost of living and, you know, all that kind of stuff was, was a bit of a, like a breath, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, okay, this, this feels, um, this is, this is nice. This is, um, a, a good step forward for us. And, and it feels like now we're finally in a position to do more for our daughter, um, than we were able to do out there. The hardest part was a lot of our family, you know, the majority of our family is still in Southern California. So, um, that was a very difficult decision to make, but you know, when it came down to it, it's like, you know, we're trying to move our, our family forward. And, you know, it wasn't even about the opportunities with like, Oh, to be a guitar builder in Nashville area. Like that's not a bad thing, but that wasn't uh, totally what was driving. This was, this was really like, where, where are we supposed to go? Where are we supposed to be? Like, you know, where you're, where you're leaving from and where you're headed to are, are very, very important things. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's what it meant to us. And there, I could probably talk for a long time about like the, the details, but as a broad stroke, like, you know, how do you dad that <laughs> from a dad's perspective, like, you know, just trying to, to put ourselves in a place to, to succeed and, and to, to, you know, to, to provide a good stable, you know, place for our, our daughter that, um, you know, this, that, that was the, that was the move. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've known you since when you lived here and I know you when you lived there and like watching your family through that process was, was, uh, you know, from a distance, you know, from a couple hours away, it was, was really cool to, um, <laughs> to see what you got, like how you guys moved forward with that. And, um, from the story you just told about it, the thing that stands out to me the most is that there was, there was agreement between you guys. Like it, it sounds like it, yeah. and it wasn't just, you know, you and your wife also like, it sounds like there was, you know, conscious efforts to you know, get your daughter involved as well. Um, which is very cool. Um, so yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I miss having you close, but I mean, it's not like we were driving back and forth to see each other all the time anyway. So (laughs) yeah. Right. Well, and, and the thing is too, like, you know, our daughter, she's at a very like critical age. If we were going to do something like this now would be the time, like we didn't want to yank her out of like middle of high school or anything, you know, so she's, she's going to be, you know, doing middle school out here. Um, but we wanted her to kind of, we wanted her to see more of this amazing country Mm -hmm. we live in and, and, and to have an understanding of what it's like, not just to visit, but to actually like live in these different places. And, you know, who knows she may, when she's an adult, um, and, and have her own like, you know, thing, she may move back to California. She may, I could picture her moving to like New York Mm -hmm. city, but you know, like we we're we're trying to be very careful. My wife and I could talk about like, Oh, well, you know, it's easier out here than it was in California, like this comparison. Um, but we're trying to be careful about that with her because we want her to just understand that, you know, California has its, its thing. Um, it's benefits and it's challenges out here. There are benefits and there are challenges, but you know, we just wanted to give her more to work with when it comes time to like figure out what is her path. And, And so she doesn't have to just, you know, 
make it some sort of continuation of so, ours. So, question for you. How are how are yeah. you and your wife so stinking thoughtful about all the things that you do? <laughs> huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you... Uh, we won't get... Uh, yeah. It's like... It, it, you your answers and the way you navigate through life are um and i just so you know i've had a couple of cocktails and i'm on my second beer post cocktail so <laughs> i'm being a little <laughs> honest right now <laughs> um no, but that's cool. it, it's just like every your answers to things are so thoughtful and like well like it just seems well thought out i don't know i say seems because i don't i don't know cuz <laughs> It's hard for me to imagine, um, like thinking through things that that often, because <laughs> that's not really how I live my I life. Know. Um, but it, it's it's just crazy. I'm like, man, you even you even think well, about how you talk about California and how that will affect your daughter's perception of things as she gets older. And it's like, ah, oh, that's a level of thoughtfulness and um, thinking about your daughter's <laughs> future that I am just. I am worlds behind you on, man. <laughs> well, I mean, again, we could we could talk a lot about that. And honestly, I wish my wife were here to, you know, fill in. You know Heather mm-hmm. very well. Um, and, and she would have a lot to say, a lot of good stuff to say about it, too. But I don't know. There's a lot to be said for just being on the same yeah. page. Even if you disagree, like, you can still be on the same page and just understand each other. One thing that we've, um, it, this is not just a dad thing, but, a, a you know, a, a husband and wife thing but um one thing that that we've had to make a definite like effort especially you know kind of being out here um fortunately our our living room we have some windows that face mm-hmm. west so we get a really nice sunset in our living room and by the time i get home from work um it's you know it's just a nice moment to kind of sit down push the pause button and kind of calibrate and it's the sun's going down and we uh my wife's a photographer and, and there's this golden hour where it's just like the last light before the sun you know totally goes down and the all the colors kind of activate it's really cool and so we we have this almost like a informal ceremonial last light hmm. moment but we call it facetime because as you go through life, it's it's easy, especially for guys, to do stuff kind of shoulder to shoulder with yeah. somebody else, where you're both facing forward and you're talking, and, um, and it's totally different to just turn and face each other and talk um, and just catch up or whatever. And my wife's a lot better at it than I am. Um, it's easy for me to just go 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 and forget about FaceTime and whatever. So um, the short answer to that is we've done a lot of FaceTime. Um, we talked through, especially this move, um, when at our place in Southern California, it was more in the mornings that we had the Mm -hmm. time to do that, but sit, we had like coffee together and it's like, you're not, cause for me, I'll, I'll doodle on paper or, you know, have my phone out and I'll be looking at my schedule or whatever. Like you got to shut all that crap off and, um, and you know, face to face it. you know, it really only, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's like, you know, I don't know. It depends 15 minutes or Mm -hmm. so on average. But, um, we, we sorted a lot of stuff out through the, the, that time together. And 
also, I think uh, our daughter knowing that specifically that that's what we were doing. Hmm. Like my parents have a special dinner. It was Sunday night was their dinner. Even though we all had dinner together every other night, uh, Sunday night was their night. And my brother and I knew it. And it was special. And the cool thing is they still do Hmm. that. Even though, you know, we're up and grown and out of the house, like Sunday night dinner is a special dinner. And so it was like kind of, it's part of it is like setting that whole like precedent, but also letting it be visible to, you know, your kids that like. Interesting. uh, We're investing in what we're doing, you know, here. And, And so with our daughter, I think it helped her to know that we weren't, we weren't just loosey goosey like flying by the seat of your pants. Let's try this out. Right. That we were approaching it very carefully. But then, you know, aside from that FaceTime, like we spent a lot of time with her talking about it and making sure running, you know, running through the details and, and, you know, letting her kind of work through, you know, there were things that she was a little bit concerned about, but she was more excited about things than Hmm. worried. Well, I love all of that, but I feel like we're supposed to transition back to gear a little bit. Yeah, can we talk yeah. about guitars? Man? Um, well, on. just leave the mo- the meter running on your recorder right now because I need to run and use the uh, little boys' room, um, and then we'll come back and talk about the gear. Sure. All right, I'll be right back. Cool. But all the damage she's caused is unfixable Every 20 seconds you repeat her name But when it comes to me sure maybe i'll drop a britney spears song in there or something just to upset paul (laughs) um (laughs) but uh so we talked about moving your family how was it moving all your gear the the gear did did you just pack it up like everything else or uh did you do something anything special (laughs) it was pretty funny because um like i said uh my job started a couple weeks before um you know, we all moved out. So technically, Mm -hmm. um, 
twice I got to drive from California to Middle Tennessee. So the <laughs> first time I did it, um, my car was just loaded up with about, you know, a couple or about a week's worth of clothes and as many guitars as mm-hmm. I could stuff in the car. And let's not talk about the number <laughs> of guitars because, you know, that's just not relevant. There, my guitar right. collection is is based um it's off of like you know each one is special they're they're all wonderful each yeah. one has a story to it and th- i'm not going to get rid of them so i know this is the flipping flippers and it's like you sell stuff and you buy stuff and you sell stuff but um <laughs> so the guitars Some traveled with <laughs> me uh and this was in february so it was cold um there were a few though that I didn't have room for, but they were in like hard cases and they were, you know, sturdy guitars that I didn't have to worry about too much. So they actually lived in the pod. Yeah. Um, okay. But you know, all said and done, um, everything that was in the pod did just fine. The, uh, I, I guess if anyone's going to consider doing this, you'd probably want to verify that if, if the, the pod or whatever it is, you're storing your stuff in, when it goes to storage, make sure that it's temperature controlled. Um, okay. But, you know, in transit, like this is in February. So like going through northern Arizona, like it got really cold. When I did the drive the second time with my family, it was my wife, my daughter and I, you know, their luggage. And then the rest of the car was filled with house plants. Um, my... <laughs> the same way I am about guitars, my wife is about the house plants, and she has a very really cool plants. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, we we did the trip in a few days, and each each time we stopped at a hotel, we pulled all the plants out, loaded up like literally full like you know those carts that the what do they call them the bellhop you know like the yeah full of those not luggage or anything just plants. And put them in the hotel room and the next day we do, you know, but we got snowed on and stuff. So, um, this is in like, like Northern Arizona, we got snowed on, we hit freezing rain in like New Mexico, like all the way through the panhandle of Texas, yeah. we were hitting all kinds of weather and stuff. So of course, you know, thinking about the pod doing the same drive, but in like some shipping container on the back of a truck. Like I know it was going to end up in some sort of climate controlled storage, but getting there, you know, was a concern, but quite honestly, like they were all the guitars and stuff were at the very top of the, the pile. We loaded that pod up on, it was hard to open the door when it finally arrived. Some stuff had kind of settled against the door and we had to like, it, it took a while just to yeah. open the thing, but we stuffed it as, as much as we possibly could. And so all the guitars were up at the top so that nothing would really land on them. I was worried about if any mm-hmm. heat was like <laughs> getting trapped in there. Cause the, the roof of the thing was like plastic. So it had like, okay. The walls had like plywood and kind of like a, almost like a corrugated like metal some sort like on the outside but the top was like a plastic shell and uh it's probably thick plastic i don't know um but it just i was a little bit concerned that oh man <laughs> we'll see how these these end up mm-hmm. but suffice it to say they're, yeah they're gonna stack another pod on top of your guitars. right but it was re- the top is reinforced too 
But um, okay. suffice it to say, you know, everything everything arrived just fine. And so um, one hmm. of the great things about the way that the homes are built out here, they, they, they do these rooms, usually like where the garage is, um, the room directly above it is built out kind of like a bonus room. So, um, okay. so yeah, so I finally have a room, like a, like a dedicated room for all my stuff. Uh, it's nice. I get to set up the drums nice. again. Um, the, this drum set I got when I was, I think 13, um, it was in my room, you know, in, until I was about 18 and then occasional gigs, <laughs> I got to play them, but otherwise like the, they had not been set up, um, for a long time. So got to put them up cause my daughter, mm. you know, she can play a little bit of drums and, um, yeah. So again, a lot of it keeps coming back to to our daughter, but um, you know it's it's nice having a proper room, not quite as cool as your your studio over there, but I'm working on it. We'll get there. Yeah, well, I I could definitely use some decorating tips because right now it's just piles of things. But so. you got like the cool like panel. Uh, you have like the um, you did your like that kind of. Uh, what you call it like a soundproof booth like like for doing vocals oh you have like the cool wood paneling on there you have your cool like with the 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 telly shape cut out of the panel with the foam behind it like you got the don't you have like a hatch i'm I'm getting there i'm getting there um no not in the studio i don't have a hatch print i should get a hatch print for it out here oh wait yeah i do i do i have a national one that's right come on man yeah I do have a hatch print out here. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting there. You're more Nashville there. than I am right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, okay, well, your guitar has traveled well, which kind of uh, uh, ruins my next topic. So I'm not going to really do like a smooth transition here because I was going to ask, like, what was the biggest maintenance issue on the mm. guitars? But they, you didn't have no. any. So, instead, what is your your like your number one maintenance tip? Like as a guy that builds, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you maintain your own guitars. Like, what is your your number one thing? It like if you could tell the world that plays guitar, do this, and it will change. You know, whatever for your change your life when it comes to your guitar. What mm. is that? That's a good question. One of the first things I do, like when I pick up a guitar, like a guitar center or, um, or even like the NAMM show, if I want to see kind of how, how much attention something was put into a guitar, I'll hold the E string down at the first mm-hmm. fret and then at the last fret, if that's the 21st or 24th or whatever, or if it's an Equus guitar, the 23rd, right? 23rd. Yeah. Um, but I'll check. Yep. And then what I'm looking for is at the ninth fret, there should be just a tiny little gap where, um, you know, that would be the relief that's in the neck. And, um, so if it's touching, I'm making notes, yeah, by the way. Sure. If it's, what you're doing is you're really using the string as a straight edge and the neck should be pretty much dead flat from like the ninth fret to the last, you know, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Um, it should be pretty much flat from there, but it should just have a tiny little up bow, you know, um, in the other direction, like between the first and the ninth frets. 
Um, so a little bow forward. Yeah, like bow and arrow kind of bow, like the the the. Um, yeah, but like forward, so in front of you if you're holding exactly, the guitar. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, a, there's a lot to this equation, but, um, you know, the, the whole string setup, truss rod intonation, you know, this kind of a, it's like a bit of a triangle, so to speak. It's this, this dance, mm-hmm. this kind of a balancing act, um, of, you know, kind of fine tuning those elements to where they're all working together. But, a, just a good quick indicator, like, you know, action and all that other stuff is one thing, but if if that isn't right, then the way that you set the action and all this, like you're, you're kind of chasing, um, you're, I don't know. You, you're not going to find what you're looking for, I guess. Like you'll keep moving stuff around and it'll never really land where it's supposed to. Um, or if, if it's totally touching that ninth fret, it's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means the neck is, probably dead flat um but you might need the action to be just a little bit higher but as a starting point like that's kind of the one of the first things i check um so i i guess um i guess that's it like there are a few things you could do to adjust that you know and the reason why you hold it down at the first fret is uh if the the way that the nut was done if if the the slots are too shallow or too tall like that could impact kind of how you're looking at it. so so you're really looking at how the frets are done um if it's not playing right but you still see that gap maybe there's an issue with the fret work um you know maybe the frets haven't been leveled mm. or maybe the frets uh, were put into a, a neck where maybe the wood wasn't leveled to begin with, you know, sometimes like quicker production, like they'll just throw the frets in there. Anyway, that's, that's like one of the first things I check. Okay. Cool. Well, I, I made notes and I am probably going to get up early tomorrow morning and go through all my guitars and check that <laughs> <laughs> and see where they all cool. stand. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I had one more question for you, and we're probably going to go a little bit long, which That's is okay. okay. Um, but one more question for you. Uh, as a builder um, and somebody that knows your way around this stuff a bit better than me, um, what is like one thing, one or two things, or the number one thing that you scares people you know, average Joe like me away from buying a used instrument. Um, that is really not a big deal. Like I, I think about like, um, I recently bought this, this vintage K S G copy and you know, the things that go through my head when looking at guitar from the sixties or seventies is does the truss rod mm-hmm. work? Um, like is, is there a proud fret? Like what if the neck is warped or you know like is the body stable like what of these things are like valid to worry about and like silly easy repair type stuff probably whatever is removable and what isn't like the the hardware because you know tuners can kind of be an issue sometimes you know like maybe they get maybe they're just Mm -hmm. old maybe they weren't great to begin with or um you know whatever those are replaceable i mean there's so many companies out there that make all kinds of tuners you could go modern you could even retrofit like like a total vintage style so like don't worry about tuners um 
even the the some of the bridge hardware too like the like uh, on the gibson style mm-hmm. the two pneumatics like the uh, the old ones can tend to sink in the middle um so but that's replaceable like i would say don't get too hung up on it being like oh it's got to be perfectly vintage correct you know some of that vintage stuff like the hardware at least you know those were production decisions based on what was economical at the time so just because yeah. it's vintage doesn't mean it's good or that it's playable. Um, you Like you were talking about the truss rod. Again, that's something you probably have to like get into to check out. But I don't like the truss rod deserves healthy respect. Like you should fear it a little bit, but you shouldn't fear it too much. Um, okay. I say that that is the like the number one thing that comes to my mind when it comes to old guitars is like, does it have a truss rod? Does it That work? would be worth like I don't even know how to if use it. If it doesn't so. have a truss rod, you're kind of rolling the dice. You know, if the neck is fine and yeah. it doesn't have a truss rod, it's like, well, cool, that's good, but then you probably just want to keep whatever that string gauge is, which more than likely is probably fairly light. Um, or the neck is an, mm-hmm. a total baseball bat. Um but if it does have a truss rod, you could be looking at a couple things like, is there any room left for that thing to move? Again, that's where that string check, you know, where you look at the low E um, and see kind of what's the state of the union as far as the neck is concerned. Because necks, yeah. if it's a bolt-on like a fender, that's a removable part. So that is replaceable. Um, if it's a set neck, hmm. now you're you're stuck, you know. You're, you're looking at a commitment. I would say frets are replaceable too. So if, if you're looking at a vintage yeah. guitar and the frets are just totally, you know, like all divots and they're all worn out that can be done um it'll it'll cost of course and you should pay up to get it done right but you know those are replaceable yeah the neck probably isn't um in theory i guess you could cut the lacquer and steam out the glue joint i mean all the parts are removable to some degree but i'm talking about stuff that's removable with simple tools um so i wouldn't get too hung up on things like hardware Obviously, the electronics, um, that's kind of a given. But Yeah, I love, I love hacking electronics apart. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's, like my know, favorite, it's my favorite yeah, pastime. You know them better than I do. Um, you helped me like, make a ceiling fan work with a switch over a, <laughs> over a, a, over FaceTime, a FaceTime call. Yeah, shoot. Um, but yeah, like if that means getting a good deal on a guitar that, um, you know, is maybe used like in a flipping situation, you know, if, if you, if you see one that maybe looks like it's in a rough state, fortunately with guitars, like people aren't too concerned about the condition of the finish. Like, you know, they, they like guitars yeah. worn in. So I guess that's just kind of an obvious, but you know, check the stability of the neck, see how it's, see how it's positioned. If, if the neck is, is, you know, stable, but maybe the hardware needs some replacing, use that to negotiate, I guess. But you know, that stuff is easily replaceable. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, the, that K that I got just, just so you know, cause you and I talked a lot about body thickness on mm-hmm. guitars. Um, that K guitar came in and it is the thinnest solid body electric guitar i've ever held in my <laughs> life i haven't put cal- i haven't put calipers to it yet but um i'm surprised that you know the jack yeah. on the instrument cable doesn't poke out the back when i okay. plug it in so you plug it into the top <laughs> not the side 
Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's it's incredibly and thin. Pickup cavities yeah. too. Um, there's no pickup cavity. It's mounted to the oh, front of the body. Okay. Oh well, that saves you some real estate. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy, and it's a plywood body. Yeah. And like, or I guess what would they? They don't call it plywood because that sounds bad. What's the other term for plywood? Laminate. Um, multi. Laminated. Laminated. Yeah. Yeah. Laminated body and a laminated neck, which they're. I mean, it's cool. It, I mean, you know, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, myself, I think so. people need to just kind of calm the heck down on like some of the woods and stuff. I mean, because you could have the finest <laughs> tone woods uh, available, but if the thing's not built mm-hmm. very well, then all that's out the window. And uh, there are some people they right. could, uh, you know, they could take a uh, whatever insert hyperbolic uh, substitute here but you know like some sort of junk wood whatever material and if it's built well they could make a totally yep. playable instrument out of it so obviously yes the the woods do have some impact on the sound but it's not just the woods alone so a plywood guitar could totally that could be absolutely fine and fun and playable and wonderful there's nothing wrong with that yeah no, I think this thing's great. I need to do a setup on it, but uh, yeah, the body is paper thin. The neck is uh, full and round, and uh, yeah, it's going to be Speaking of setups, I, I will add this. Speaking of truss rods and stuff, yes. I would say if, if it does come down to where somebody wants to like approach a truss rod adjustment, again, you don't need to be afraid of it, but here's <laughs> some thoughts. If you're... If you're going to, if you feel like you need to tighten it, right? So if there's too much relief in the neck and let's say the strings are winning Mm -hmm. in the battle of tension on the neck and you, you need to to tighten the truss rod to counteract that string tension, I would say there are a couple things to approach very carefully. One, I would suggest like loosening the strings a bit, like don't try to tighten it under string tension. Um, especially if you don't already know the neck, you don't know the thing might already be totally cranked down all the way. There may not be any more adjustment left in it, but you're also asking a lot of the truss rod. Mm -hmm. The truss rod should hold a position and it doesn't need to fight the strings on its own. So it's better to loosen up the strings, tighten the truss rod and then bring the strings back up to tension and and let the rod do the work in a, uh, in a, um, stable, like neutral state as opposed to like, trying to use the cranking of the truss rod to fight the string tension, if that makes sense. Um, that does make sense. And then, uh, if you are going to do it, I would suggest maybe a quarter turn at a time. Uh, Dan Earlywine of, uh, Stu Met Guitars, he does a cool thing. He'll mark with a Sharpie, like maybe the, whatever, the 12 o'clock position and then adjust it so that he knows exactly how, how many times he's had to turn it. And before you tighten it, I would say try loosening it first just to see, does this thing even move? Maybe if it's old, it might be all seized up. Um, If it's already tightened down all the way, if you try to tighten it anymore, like you could be running into some problems. So just first see if it moves. So maybe mark, mark like a 12 o'clock position, loosen it a little bit and then, you know, go to retighten it. If, if it is, um, if you, tighten it back up and you bring the strings up to tension and it's still not not winning 
against the string tension. It's not over yet. You can um, loosen them back up. You can actually clamp. This is maybe something you want to leave up to someone else. But you can, I would say, I've done this on a few guitars. Let the string tension off. Loosen the truss rod. You have to be careful if it's not a two-way adjustable. Sometimes you could loosen it and the whole like adjustment nut would come off completely. And that could be kind of a pain. But just loosen yeah. it to where you can tell that it's relaxed. And it's not acting against the wood anymore. So it's just totally relaxed. And then with uh, three clamps, you clamp one towards the nut, one towards where the body joins, and you put a block in between it, and then you clamp the neck. So you're actually clamping it into an up bow. Hmm. But you, I'm sorry, you need a straight. I, I left out. You need a straight edge running across. Yeah, you need a, a flat. You need surface. a flat surface. Yeah. So like, um, yeah. I like I have an extra strip of wood that's thick enough, but. So you basically clamp it up so that you're pushing the middle against your straight edge and you kind of have some space on the, um, on the other edges, then tighten the truss rod. So you're, you're, you're yeah. basically giving it like a jump start, a, a, an advantage, then undo the clamps, then bring it up to string tension and any adjustment that you make, you may want to let it sit for a day or two under string tension because it might not take effect right away or you may think you got it totally dialed in and a couple days later it's back the way it was like don't be in a hurry hmm. do it a little bit at a time if you have any questions you know hit me up <laughs> or hit someone else up like you know <laughs> yeah, obviously if you're not sure talk to a professional but anyway talking about trust rods yeah. i didn't want to give people the false idea like you could just tighten or loosen it as as you will just understand you know that the string tension is a factor Hmm. Good to know. Yeah, uh, truss rods scare me, and um, I probably still won't be doing a whole lot of adjusting on them on my own, but this is all That's good fine. stuff. If it's the kind of <laughs> neck that you have to take off to adjust it, you probably don't want to mess with it. Just let someone else do it. N not that you're going to screw it up, but it's a pain in yeah. the neck. Let that be someone else's pain in the neck. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, luckily that K has a, it's like a Music Man style. It's like a little wheel right where the neck meets the body that you can access between that's the nice. strings. So that's cool. the The benefit to that is yeah, that they didn't but. take away any of the material in like the weakest part where the headstock meets the neck, like right underneath the nut. Um, so yeah. that's nice. There's no worry about this head, this headstock being weak on this thing. It's an SG copy, but it is not built like it an SG. Hashtag. <laughs> I'll have to send you a picture. It, it, it's a paddle. Yeah. Not authentic. <laughs> Not in the least cool. bit. Um, but all right, well let let's wrap it up, and um, I'm going to ask you about that Novo thing, that Novo secret that you have. Once we stop recording, <laughs> okay. Deal. <laughs> Deal? <laughs> all right, so we don't really have a wrap up. Oh, we're supposed to thank our uh, sponsor, Gun Street Wiring Shop. Sean Arbo, Sean Arbo um, GunStreetWiringShop.com is solid gold. He we uh, he was there today. Uh, I had the 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 mm -hmm. utter luxury of hanging out with him a little bit and talking to him. He's just the nicest guy in the world. I know that you know other people say that because you know you see him he's sponsoring all these podcasts and stuff, and people made you know customer support and stuff. But dude, he's the nicest guy in the world. Just buy something from him. Support his business for crying out loud. Yeah. I I agree. And uh, 
I've had a couple in-person conversations with him and I rattled off some ideas that I'm sure were just so dumb and he was nice enough to indulge me and not call me an idiot so <laughs> you know it, it was really cool I, I know we're running over but who cares um there's okay. there's a guitar uh, at the show and I know like Blake the tone mob and sure other people have posted some videos of this thing in each pickup position there is a picture almost like a cylinder it looks kind of like a like a like a slot machine right yeah. so I think each mm-hmm. cylinder holds I want to say three pickups and there are two levers up in like kind of the upper, like the base side, um, you know, what would be like the horn or, you know, like the base side of the fretboard, um, like where a Les Paul toggle switches. Anyway, you, you, it's a cool yeah. like system, like this kind of lever. It's not like the battery powered uh, thing. It's like all mechanical, but you, you roll this lever and it kind of rotates the cylinder and you get these different pickup combinations. That's a whole other topic in and of itself, whether or not that's worth, you know, it. Right. But to see this with Sean and just to look, the wheels were turning, man. Like he had, you know, that meme of like the lady where it has like all the math symbols going on. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was, he was having this moment. It was, it was wonderful to be there. And, and you could tell he was just considering all these different like things. And he was, he was telling me this idea of like a similar I don't want to spoil any uh, thing if, if he's going to do something with it, but you know, it inspired an idea of like how to wire up a two humbucker guitar with like, you know, some switches and it was so cool just to be there, just to watch it happen. I mean, the guy, like he's just processing stuff at a level that is, is so far above the rest of us. Uh, but at the same time, he's a nice guy. Like we all know those people that are just smarter than their own good. And then they can be a little difficult, uh, to talk to, but like he's brilliant and he's a nice guy. Like, come on, he's the total package. So I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, support his business. Please, just just <laughs> buy something. Even if you don't need it, just buy something from him because he's darn good at it, and it's it's going to improve whatever whatever guitar you have, whatever you put in there. I have full confidence, uh, you know, in everything that he's doing. Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Um, and now uh, a moment of uh, honesty from you. Um, you are a patronizer of this podcast. And um, how do you feel about that? Should other people do it? Is it worth uh, your hard-earned money? Yeah, absolutely. It it, it kind of well, okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I I wasn't sure where that was going to go. You paused there. No, for a absolutely. Second. Well, because it, it feels weird to like. I know. Actually, I I don't know. I don't know how much work it is. I I know that other people that do podcasts they say it's it's a lot of work. You know, the editing and the the time and the consistency is a thing. Like to do one or two or, you know, a small handful of podcasts is, is, uh, you know, a a big enough challenge, but to commit to it regularly and to keep putting, you know, episodes out there. And I am so behind on my podcast after the move, I'm still trying to catch up. Um, and cause everybody's doing a a good job just churning out these, these episodes. Um, if you consume, I have trouble keeping up. If you consume, I feel like if you consume, you should contribute, you know, like, and I know it's not much. There are a lot of podcasts, I, you know, I try to support and I can't quite do it at the level, you know, that I'd like to. Um, but I feel like just it just to yeah. just to balance the scales, you know, in in life and, you know, understanding 
it just makes sense. So like I, I didn't feel right listening to the show and enjoying, especially since, like you said at the beginning, both of you guys are, you know, you, you own guitars of mine. It's like, well, I should be supporting the show even more. Shoot. You know, it's like, I feel like I, the luxury of, you know, you guys talking about my guitars, it's almost like I have a sponsorship sometimes. It's like, shoot. So I, you know, I appreciate the crap out of you guys. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's only fitting to do it. Um, honestly though, you, you asked for honesty, the, all the, the extra bonus Patreon stuff. I'm so far behind on my podcast. I can't even do, I can't keep up with like just the regular episodes, let alone the little extra bonus stuff. I wish I could. I really, I'm really interested in all that, but my goodness, (laughs) I can't keep up. Well, I I would say if you, if you're going to catch up on anybody's Patreon content, uh, tone jerks are where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I mean, our, our stuff is, it's more of Paul and I rambling, but those guys, uh, that's some grade a Patreon content they got going on over there. It's tough, so. man. There are too many. The, the thing is like, they're all good. Um, I mean, should we just do a yeah. podcast love fest? Like I, Adam Rohr, uh, and his wonderful wife, we, we were out, um, we, there was a, a moment of time between like, you know, before one of the events. So, uh, the three of us got to sit down and, you know, uh, have a beer and, and chat. It was great catching up with him. He's got a great show. Um, I was able to catch up mm-hmm. with, uh, I finally got to meet Emily in person and, and her husband, uh, was there. He's a super nice guy. Um, uh, everybody knows Emily at this point. So, you know, it was, it was cool. Um, uh, Ryan, uh, you know, obviously 60 cycle hum, that dude was working hard. Um, he, I, cause I, he was not out there to have fun. He was out there to work. I saw him in passing and it was like, fortunately, you know, I I feel like we know each other enough to where it's like, I didn't need to like stop him in what he was doing, but he was, he was in the zone. He's, he's working hard. Um, Clifton, the king of the live stream. I mean, he was just going nuts, live streaming everything. Like, um, it's, it's crazy how many podcasts there are out there out of this amazing group that we all, you know, get to enjoy, but these people are working so hard to do. They, they love it. I'm talking about you and Paul as well. You guys, you love it. You would do it anyway, but it's, it's nice to support it just to kind of like, I know it's, it's not gonna, as they say in the corporate world, you know, move the needle a whole lot. It's not like, you know, you can quit your job and, you know, just, just rest on the laurels of, you know, this podcast stardom. But, um, it's Hmm. just a nice way to say, like, I acknowledge what you're doing. I appreciate it. You know, honestly, I, I, I wish there were fewer podcasts so that I could contribute more to (laughs) to the the shows. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I make no bones about it. I am the king of the $1 pledge. So but it's a statement, um, you know, and it's okay. I think. Yeah. And if everybody that yeah, listened to, I mean, I, and I, I am limited to $10 total. That's like $10 that's a month. Fair. So I, I try and spread it as far as but, I can. I mean, if everybody that, and they say it, but honestly, if everybody that listened to these shows pitched in a dollar a month, I mean, there's a lot that could be done. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, 
It's true. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we would do. Well, but you guys yeah. give you guys give what is it, like half of it to charity. You know, for crying out loud! Like, Ooh. come on, guys. We re- we recently just stopped doing. Oh, that. never mind. Cut that part out. <laughs> but well, I mean, I, I'm sure if it got back, you know, if if it were at a point where um, if if everybody that listened to this show gave a dollar or two, like, you know, I I know you guys you know, would be doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Come on, people throw a, throw a dollar in the hat for crying out loud. (laughs) Well, and then this month and next month, there's a giveaway involved with Patreon as well. So there you go. So it's, it's worth it. I had to look up that pedal because I heard Paul talking about it. It was like, um, he was, you were both talking about it, but the the glacial Z. Yeah. Yeah. It looks super cool. I I felt bad because it's like um, I know I'm technically in the in the running for it, but it's like oh man, that's another pedal. I don't know what to do with. The problem is you guys you guys made that stack pedal that kind of just killed it for any sort of drive, um, ever. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I do love that. I do love. There that are thing. no fuzz pedals I need. There are no drive pedals I need. Like just from my friends. And friends that do podcasts, like for crying out loud, just please stop making pedals because I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. I feel you. But I still want everything. So. <laughs> well, if my name comes up for that, so I will continue. For that glacial, I- just give it to the next one because uh, you guys ruined me with the stack, man. You did it. It's done. Done deal. <laughs> well. I'll have to talk to Paul about that. I don't. I don't know if we can do that, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Whatever. You don't have to tell me if if my uh, name comes up. Just just pull another name. Okay. Just keep yeah. moving. All right. Okay. Well, let let's say our goodbyes and then uh, stop recording and call All it right. a night. Sounds good. So, bye, audience. See you later. Be good people. Bye.